You're listening to Rashkin Report. This is Yuri Rashkin, and my guest today is professor of University of Concordia at Montreal, uh, also a writer, Mikhail Iosil, returning guest of this show. Uh, Mikhail, welcome back to the program. Um, thank you, Yuri. Thank you. Glad to be back. Absolutely. Uh, you write uh, quite a bit about President Trump, and geez, he's in the news these days even more than usual on hourly basis as this crisis is um, exploding and uh, uh, looks like it might actually negatively affect him. Um, how do you feel? Uh, do, do you feel uh, vindicated? Do you feel glad? How are you feeling now that it looks like President Trump is about to get impeached? Um, cautiously hopeful and nervous and apprehensive because we're in a very dangerous situation of someone completely uncontrollable, pathologically uh, incapable of uh, assessing the world outside of himself, uh, someone who is uh, now fighting for literal physical survival because he knows that if he doesn't get reelected, he is going to be put on trial and um, and then uh, end up in jail. Um, and so we're in a situation of someone who has absolutely no moral Uh, bottom. Uh, uh, there is no law he couldn't sink to, and uh, and and for for the sake of his survival, he basically is going to be prepared to do whatever it takes. He doesn't even know what it takes, but whatever it takes, uh, he will not think twice uh, to sacrifice any number of uh, uh, American interests. He would not uh, hesitate to involve America in uh, some kind of a uh, military adventure to whip up a wave of chauvinism among his electoral base. Um, uh, we're in an exceptionally dangerous situation of somebody who is uh, not only he, is he unfit, he is unfit to be within 10 miles of the White House. He would be unfit to, to run a parking lot uh, he it's 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 a very dangerous situation so um, uh, and the more pressure is put on him the 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 the, the, the greater the acceleration of his sundowning or his unraveling so his presidency is unraveling presidency in quotation mark is unraveling but he also is emotionally psychologically unraveling also with the with the, with with dangerous acceleration and it's uh, um, and it's we, we are in a totally uncharted territory right now in the sense that nothing like this has ever happened before uh, not in not in any modern memory not in any kind of memory not even going back to Andrew Andrew Jackson uh, we just don't remember anything like this uh, we've never had a person so manifestly demonstrably absolutely uh, uniquely uh, uh, unfit to, to, to sit in the White House. And so um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible situation. Do you think that the fact that it looks like there is Secretary Pompeo and uh, potentially Vice President Pence and so many people are part of this uh, scandal um, and involving call to Ukraine and pressuring them to do us a favor, which people seem to get confused by because that's really just, that's all that it's about. Once you ask for a favor uh, to find dirt for your about your opponent, 
that's pretty much it. You don't, you know, there's no quid pro quo anymore at that point. You're done. Uh, but do you feel that having more people ensnared in this is going to make uh, the the end of this administration more likely or less likely? Um, when he, when and if, but when he goes down, the whole bunch of them will go down uh, because it's a mob. And so everyone is somehow enmeshed and everyone is connected by the mutuality of uh, the criminal activities. And so, and that's, of course, was absolutely conscientious decision on the uh, uh, conscious decision on, on Trump's part to, uh, to basically taint as many people as possible with the, the situation. So not to have a plausible deniability, but to deprive them of any possibility of plausible deniability and so the whole ship will go down and um uh, again because this is not just a regular you know white house administration it's a mob and uh it's don vita corleone only like stupider and uh and 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 they will all go down and and so uh, that's why the situation is only going to become more dire and more dangerous for Trump and therefore for all of us because he's going to be more and more desperate. Uh, uh, more and more evidence will be coming to light. More and more hair-raising circumstances will be revealed and uh, mainly engaging the sheer scope of his uh, um, efforts to get reelected to establish different kinds of quid pro quo, his dependence on Putin. One, one just shudders at the thought of the when the if and when conversations with Putin, for instance, uh, uh, get uh, come to light. Um, so uh, that's, that's why there is no light at the end of that tunnel for him um, or for the Republicans in the Senate or, or in the House. Uh, it's not going to get better. They will know. They will. There will be no uh, sort of like uh, uh, any kind of you know uh, mitigating circumstances. Uh, nothing that would sort of like uh, cause people to say, "Oh, okay, that explains it." No, it will only get worse and worse and worse, and people's mood is going to darken ever more so uh, continually. And uh, um, I hate to say it, but is is this where civil war would be more likely? Well, um, we, this this is still not a banana republic, and uh, we we still don't have a tradition of having the army engaged in you know public life. And uh, if we are prepared to imagine uh, military involvement uh, in the streets of America, then all bets are off. But I don't think so. But Trump doesn't want to leave. Well, yeah, he won't want to leave, and he will try to to because he doesn't want to end up in jail, um, and 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 for a variety of other reasons. It's just his his whole personality is now undergoing complete unraveling. Um, but uh, but uh, he will issue. Let's let's say he will issue an order to. Uh, you know, for for the army to support him, I I, I can't even imagine. Uh, uh, and if there is a local mutiny of his supporters coming down uh, the, the the bike uh, with uh, 
with their AK-47s and so forth. Well, that's what the army is for. Um, uh, we, we, are, we are pretty far into the territory of absolutely nightmarish scenarios, as you can imagine. Right. And, uh, yeah. I'll remind listeners at this joyful moment that you're listening to a Rashkin Report. Uh, my name is Yuri Rashkin, and my guest is a writer, Mikhail Yosil, um, also a professor of Concordia University in Montreal, Canada. And Mikhail is an author of a, you're, uh, have a new book out, well, relatively new in the last year, Notes from Sub, uh, Cyberground, Trumpland, and My Old Soviet Feeling. Um, can you... Uh, share with the audience any thoughts on um, either, you know, Russia is just such a big player in our affairs now in that even though we're all are speaking English, but our background is from there somewhat, um, how do you, uh, having that background, you view what's going on between Trump and Putin or just Russia's involvement in uh, our political system at this point? Well, um Putin uh, basically is probably the most sinister uh, political uh, figure on the world stage because his lifelong project, whether uh, he articulates it to himself or not, is to prove to the people of Russia, first and foremost, but also to the rest of the world that democracy doesn't work. That in, and that by osmosis, that people are always animated and driven by rank self-interest that uh, there is no nobility to any kind of public service, that people are always in it for uh, personal gain. Uh, it, generally, that people are worse than they tend to think of themselves. And, um, and so if there had been one glowing success of his 19, 20 years uh, uh, in the, at the helm uh, of power in Russia, it has been uh, the so the, the um, inculcation of absolutely monstrous amounts of cynicism into the Russian mind, or basically just injecting into the Russian bloodstream this um, this uh, elephantine dose of uh, cynicism. You know, and that's a, such an excellent point because I think cynicism is is really critical to being able to engage with society and and to just make decisions. Uh, because when you talk about uh, Putin and his uh, trying, you know, trying to spread the idea that there's nothing good in in public life, there's no reason in getting involved. Everybody's just doing it for themselves, for the money. Everyone's crooked. Um, we see that uh, mindset and point of view reflected frequently in conservatives right here. Yeah, that's why Trump likes Putin, because uh, Putin is a, basically is his kind of guy. And conservatives, yes, they, they, um, they, like, they like strength in leaders, so that a priori they have a totalitarian bent. But if we look at the opposite of cynicism, I guess it would be what, like being naive? Uh, well, uh, it's it's all a matter of dosage. 
and uh, not necessarily naive, but uh, people over the course of their lives are not stuck uh, at one point, uh, you know, in non one fixed uh, uh, point uh, along the axis of being good or bad. People keep shifting, and sometimes they become worse than themselves, and sometimes they become better than themselves, uh, depending on circumstances and depending on what they want to do with their lives. And people go through different ages of their lives. Be being becoming different people knowingly or unknowingly and um and so uh, uh so uh, people people are not uh, you know uh known qual known quality um and 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 known quantity and and so uh, it, it, that's why it's hard to predict how people will react sometimes and how large masses of people would react sometimes because they cannot predict it themselves very often. But generally, you know, American presidents, as a matter of uh, historic records, every single American president would call people to serve uh, the better angels of their nature or to dedicate themselves to the cause bigger than themselves, right? Uh, including Republicans like John McCain, for instance, right? But everyone just uh, from almost every presidential speech or inauguration speech would include uh, those kind of, uh, you know, calling people to do something that, that, that is bigger than their own lives. Well, not so with Trump and not so with Putin and not so with the conservatives that sympathize with Putin. Uh, they basically call for, uh, for the worst angels of uh, human nature. So, um, so it, it's, it's just a matter of uh, general attitude towards life and what you believe life should be all about. And, uh, and, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's a very murky and area because, again, people's character individually or collectively is fluid. Um, so, uh, so that's 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 why I would say. But there is uh, there is a certain fixedness to the character of people like Trump, who have been uh, warped uh, emotionally and psychologically from early age, and basically have zero redeeming qualities. Do you think uh, Trump could have been a good character for a novel, or is he just too much? Yeah, he's too. He's not interesting. He, there is no variation to his character. He's too uh, relentlessly negative. Uh, so, so like protagonist goes through changes, and Trump doesn't go through changes. Therefore, yeah, he'll be a bad leading man. Yeah, he's he's unchangeable. So, so he would serve, and he he doesn't have moments like even Dostoevsky characters. They they have uh, negative characters like Svidrigailov. You know, they have pangs of conscience. He doesn't. He doesn't because he's incapable of it. He's pathological. He's a medical case. He is not the case for necessarily for a writer, not for a psychological exploration. And that's he's he's too yeah uniformly and relentlessly um, uh, monochromatic dark uh so um so no he wouldn't be quite interesting unless he could be presented in a satirical light only like dickens might be able to pull it off but it's still not because this is too serious the guy has too much power for uh for for a guy like him to have any and so so he's he's a sinister ominous character by dint of uh holding the office that he does um, he, he would be he could be kind of a rake a rogue character and he, as he used to be before he fell into 
rapidly deepening dementia. Uh, uh, some 20 years ago in the world of New York City real estate, where he was a second secondary kind of player and nobody took him quite seriously, but he was a raconteur, he was a womanizer, he was basically all in it for himself and he was basically a contemptible character, but he was also a lovable kind of rogue because such were the rules of the game that was played there. So he was tolerated and moreover, he was talked about because he was very good at self-promotion. But a character like this, finding himself in a situation that he is hated by very large groups of people, he he cannot handle it. And uh, and and he's become completely unmanageable, uh, unreachable even to his own reason. He doesn't have any reason, and he cannot be handled by anyone. And it's absolutely terrifying to have a person like that, uh, again, in charge of uh, the U.S. nuclear arsenal, uh, or, or in charge of lives of so many people whose lives a completely worthless character like him can ruin and has uh, for uh, forever. Uh, separating parents and children, having children die in those cages, uh, ruining people's lives with uh, in, a, in a variety of other ways, just infinite number of interconnected lives that get uh, absolutely destroyed because of him, whose own life has not been contribution to anything good in 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 humanity. Um, and so uh, all, generally it's very sad, um, but, you know, uh, Tolstoy would include him in one of his uh, lengthy asides in War and Peace about the role of Tsar and the ruler and dictator and history and so forth. But uh, Tolstoy would have nothing but contempt for him. He doesn't have depth. He doesn't have dimensions. He doesn't have uh, uh, tragic dimension to him. He is no King Lear either. So he's a one-dimensional, just evil, vile, shallow man. So he's he's too shallow for literature, but he works out well enough for real life. Well, life is shallower than that. Well, you know, he appeals to a certain group of people. There are 30% of people who probably would support anyone in power to begin with. But uh, who in, mo in most countries, in most countries, including the United States, right? Um, and uh, uh, but who, in his case, has developed tremendously strong psychological bond with him because he addressed certain areas of darkness within them. But he could it be? You know, there's been some recent articles I've seen which seem interesting to me because they talk about not just uh, that there are people out there who he has given permission to kind of appeal to their darkest sides of their nature, but it's also almost uh, well, not almost, but a, a mafia approach where he had these people that uh, supported him from the beginning support such horrendous things that he has said and supported that now to reverse themselves they would be kind of going against themselves. And, and they don't want to do that, so they're kind of stuck with him, like you would in a mafia, where you know you have to kill somebody to be one of their own. Um, yeah. And there's that kind of a mindset, so and that snowball is kind of growing too. Well, those are the people within his inner or farther circle, but generally the electorate that there are people all across the country who have bought in uh, to him and. Uh, uh, it's confirmation basis, of course. People people who are capable of uh, falling for Trump are not good at recognizing their mistakes. They're not given to introspection. Um, uh, but uh, uh, it's it's interesting also that that how instantaneously 
this connection was established with Trump or against Trump. If you look at uh, the Russian immigrant circles, for instance, uh, the larger part of immigrant community, such as it may be in the United States, Russian immigrant, Russian-speaking immigrant community, uh, the larger chunk of it fell for Trump immediately without giving it like it's not like you know. You know, uh, by 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 way of comparison or like long ruminations, no, immediately, instantaneous connection, and uh, to a, to a significant but smaller uh, segment of uh, of of, uh, of the same community. It was instant, uh, you know, uh, uh, rejection, instant I instant loathing. Um, that tells one something. Uh, people responded to something in, some people accepted it immediately. Uh, he, he's a strong totalitarian type of leader who brooks no nonsense, who will be very hard on minorities because suddenly the minorities have taken to, into their heads that they should be able to run the country. Um, so, uh, plus Russian immigrants, of course, people who have uh, tolerated, or Jews in particular, tolerated certain amount of humiliation or had to put up with certain amount of humiliation, if not, you know, just uh, direct oppression, because frankly, there was not that, that much of direct oppression, but it certainly was mild discrimination and definitely there was uh, humiliation. Uh, the, to be uh, put up with, and when one would uh, say that, uh, uh, how 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 are people? How is it possible that people who have basically gone through oppression uh, uh, themselves uh, be, you know, sort of like uh, taking the side of someone who is overtly racist and uh, and uh, and humiliates, uh, you know, minorities and so forth? Well, but unfortunate truth of the human nature is that in many instances uh, uh, experience of uh, oppression does not ennoble you in any kind of way. It actually causes you to become cynical and apathetic and once that pressure of, uh, of humiliation and uh, injustice unfairness has been lifted off your shoulders in a free world, well what people do in order to orient themselves in a new space, they look for clear-cut indicators as who is on their side, who's on the other side, and they look for people who they could start oppressing and humiliating in return um, as, as a compensatory mechanism of sorts. And that's what, what happened. Trump gave them this opportunity. He said that there is no shame in that. And yes, they are better than all those other people who don't look like us. And so don't. let's go oppress somebody else. Well, the, the, I mean, not 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 physically, not mentally at this point, but generally, yes. Let's bear in mind that we're better than them, and we should treat them accordingly. So we are the real real owners of this country. We are the real America, and they're not the real America. But you are because you are what you look white. Uh, so so uh, it, it's 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 interesting how. It's that's the nature of totalitarianism. Some people fall for it immediately, and some people reject it instantaneously. Other people. So usually, there is. It's it's not a matter of like you know compare and contrast, like people walking around. So do you think? What do you think of Trump? Should I? Certain things turn me off, but 
I think th that was not such process. People fell for him immediately and rejected him instantaneously. Um, so, uh, and if you talk to uh, some uh, fairly enlightened professional uh, Russian immigrants, for instance, they would say, well, yeah, he, of course, he's a hor horrendous human being, but I agree with his policies. And, but he's good for the Jews. Well, no, he's not that great for the Jews because 77% of the Jews didn't vote for him. And even smaller percent will vote for him in 2020 if he even gets to 2020. But that's 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 the belief, you know, just that he's good for Israel. Well, look at how he treated Netanyahu when it became clear that Netanyahu had lost. He's not for the like, Jews. Like he didn't even know him, right? Yeah. Uh, he's not good for the Jews. He's not good for anybody but himself, as he understands his own, uh, you know, um, uh, self-interest yeah so um, yeah Mikhail um, in, before we wrap up I really would like to get your take on what is happening right now with the impeachment not from the point of view of just the the, the Congress and, and the Senate we you you know we've talked about that a little bit but from the Ukrainian point of view because again you have not lived in Ukraine you are from St. Petersburg as I recall um, which is a you know Russia did entirely different country from Ukraine everybody um, but what is your take on what happened and the dynamic between President Trump and President Zelensky well President Zelensky is a novice President Zelensky was not prepared at all to be Ukrainian president or to be a president of a country with tons of problems that is trying to establish itself as an independent state. He was essentially, he was not only was he a comedian, he was a young comedian, he was a lightweight comedian. And uh, uh, who basically grew up in the Russian paradigm, who speaks Russian infinitely better. His native language is Russian, not Ukrainian. He learned Ukrainian, but he speaks it with an accent. And, and so... So uh, he was put in an almost impossible situation, in a situation where his country and he personally need tremendous amount of support from the United States, first and foremost, as basically the guarantor of freedoms around the world, or at least it used to be, uh, you know, uh, suddenly he finds himself in a situation that the person in the White House essentially is in hock with the Kremlin and basically is doing Putin's bidding. Um, so, uh, he comes into office, Trump is, uh, full of distrust and loathing for Ukraine because Ukraine basically, you know, did a bad thing to his guy Manafort and generally because Putin dislikes them and Putin's enemy is Trump's enemy. And so, um, uh, so the situation that Zelensky found himself in was absolutely intractable and uh, and absolutely you know uh, uh, horrendously difficult uh, would have been for anybody with infinitely more experience than he does and even more in more in a fortitude than he does um, and so it's and suddenly he finds himself immediately the Ukrainian new leadership starts finding itself being blackmailed by the US uh, by the U.S. president and his henchmen, private citizens like Rudolf Giuliani, uh, start themselves uh, start finding themselves being blackmailed. Okay, uh, yes, Congress has approved military aid, uh, all these javelins, right? But you know what? I have a favor to ask of you, though. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and 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 so that you get the message. 
you know, we, we're going to postpone for now, right? Just, just to somehow to uh, somehow to, to, to make it ever clearer to you um, what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is that this guy, Joe Biden, whose son sat on the board of uh, some kind of company, guest company, uh, uh, this is what, he's our main political rival uh, projected in in 2020 as you may or may not know we need we need dirt on him um, whether whether it's uh, actual dirt or fabricated one that's up to you we don't particularly care but we need dirt and then we can talk about those javelins which incidentally have already been paid for by American taxpayer and so the president, President Zelensky, said, "Hey, we don't worry. Everything's great. You are our teacher. We have, you know, the the general prosecutor general in Ukraine is my guy. Everything's going to be great." And then signed agreements that are now being portrayed by some as Ukraine's capitulation. Yeah, and Ukrainians are protesting, and time times tough times are ahead for Ukraine. It's a, it's a horrible situation. He was put in an absolutely untenable situation. And I sympathize with him, but I don't know uh, I don't know what's in his head. I don't know what's in his heart. I just know that, that he was put in a, a, in a, in a situation that is, was absolutely no-win kind of situation. It was a horrible, absolutely difficult uh, uh, um, place to be. Um, and, uh, you know, he essentially squeezed, uh, Ukraine found itself squeezed between the, the, the these two superpowers, uh, one evil superpower, that's Russia, and the other supposedly, you know, the, the source of all good in the world, but headed by an evil person, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mikhail, thank you so much for your take. It's always great to talk to you. I'll remind our listeners one more time that Mikhail Yosil is author of a book, Notes from Cyberground, Trump Plant and My Old Soviet Feeling. And he's also a professor at the University of Concordia at, in, Mon in Montreal, Canada. And it was a pleasure to speak with you, sir. And uh, mm -hmm. Always a and pleasure, Gary. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're listening to Rashkin Report.